How much do you know about pregnancy and alcohol? The reality may surprise you. Alcohol exposure while in the womb may cause fetal alcohol spectrum disorder in unborn children. It may lead to lifelong physical and or neurodevelopmental impairments such as problems with memory, attention, cause and effect reasoning, and difficulties in adapting to situations. For such an impactful disorder, it is rarely spoken about in the popular media. This podcast will take you behind the scenes to chat with the people who understand FASD. This is Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this first episode of Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality for 2022. My name is Kurt Lewis, and I'm your friendly neighbourhood host and podcaster. So let's get moving for 2022. For this episode, I'm chatting with a person who has only really recently been diagnosed with FASD. And once we get talking, you'll understand how amazing that is. So I have the pleasure to introduce Jennifer Catlin. How's it going, Jennifer? Hi, Kurt. How are you? It's going well, mate. It's going well. It's lovely to be on your program today. <laughs> it's wonderful yeah. to have you, really. I've, I've been trying to organise this for a while. Unfortunately, <laughs> things kept getting in the way. I got COVID and that yeah. left me out. And then, you know, you've been on other podcasts as well. Mate, I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we could just sit down here today, to be honest, and just have a chat because, you know, yeah. you're, you're a marvellous person. And I'm, oh, thank I'm, you. So my first question is, you've only really recently been diagnosed with FASD. How did you become aware that you might have FASD and what led you to seek a diagnosis? As everyone else has said, that's a great question, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd better follow that one. Oh, why not? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I was diagnosed with FASD in August, September last year, and I've been having difficulties most of my life with different stuff, but because my life was pretty scattered and all over the place at times, I didn't seek a diagnosis but I knew there was something going on there that was a bit different to other people. But, you know, I've actually embraced the difference. I love it. (laughs) I love being different. (laughs) Because I live in Melbourne in Victoria. Getting a diagnosis down here was really difficult. But I had a wonderful doctor in Lilydale where I live, and she put me onto a doctor... Neuropsych, yeah, there you go. I got it. (laughs) And he was lovely. So we went ahead and did the diagnosis. It was a big day and I was looking before I got the diagnosis, Kurt, I was looking through some paperwork from FASD Australia on the characteristics of over a lifetime and I noticed in there that because it goes from basically infancy right through to adulthood and I was ticking boxes everywhere. I was ticking them in infancy. I was ticking them in the childhood experiences. I was ticking them in every category. And everything that I ticked was just becoming more and more real to me. And that made me start thinking, well, wow, I wonder if this is FASD. And I've had a lot of people since then to say, you know, they they think, I wonder if this is FASD, you know. So I'm not alone. But what I found was that because I had a lot of documentation from my birth, my birth records, I'm an adopted child. 
there was clear guidelines that my mother was an alcoholic. So I think that's where it started, Kurt, yes. If you don't mind me asking, you came to the diagnosis a bit later in life than some people do. What kind of stopped you from getting one a bit earlier? Do, is it just, <laughs> if you don't mind me asking. I no, mean, I don't, I don't mind you asking. I'm more than happy to share with you and the listeners. I came from a very, when I say dark background, I was I was adopted at three years of age, there you go. But I also came from a, I was a neglected child. Obviously, my mother was an alcoholic and I spent two and a half years at the Royal Children's Hospital recovering when I was six months old, six to eight months old, recovering from injuries and a lot of stuff, starvation, malnutrition. There was a lot of things that were a part of my world from a very, very young age, which actually um, redefined my world when I was a lot older too. Often we don't realise what happens when we're babies because <laughs> we don't remember. But because a lot of things happened, I had a lot of documentation, Kurt, from hospitals and from places where, you know, I'd been from one hospital to another. And, yeah, so, and because I came from a fairly poor background, um, I was adopted out, but I also became a ward of the state mm. when I was, gosh, wow, I can't really remember. I won't remember it, but mm. I was a ward of the state when I was about, a year and a half, maybe. Wow. And that was all documented in my paperwork. You asked me the question about why did it take me so long? Because my life was not very stable, because I was adopted at three, I had a lot of injuries that left me very, you know, I had a lot of things going on in my world. And I think also what happened with that was that I lost my adoptive parents when I was 16, which was something I never believed would ever happen. But also it threw my world into chaos. So I really had no one else to rely on except myself. So therein lies your answer. From the age of 16, I was on my own trying to get through a world I didn't understand, but also trying to navigate doctors and hospitals and anything like that was just not part of me at that age. I was pretty angry, did a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have done, but I'm a survivor, mate. I'm here. I'm Mm. talking to you. That's awesome. (laughs) I think you're amazing, to be honest. Absolutely amazing. Look, thank you. I never used to be able to handle compliments, but I'm better at it now, so I heap it on. I'm great. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why I am now, I'm 60, going on 61, and no, I haven't had a 60th birthday because COVID got in the way. But, yeah, that's why I call myself a late bloomer. There's nothing wrong with that. I know a lot more now than I would have known then but also I've experienced a lot in life. Mm. And I think you get to a point where it's right because if it had been earlier, Kurt, it wouldn't have been right for me to get a diagnosis. I wouldn't have known how to deal with it. Mm. I wouldn't have mentally understood it, not that I understand everything about it, but what it did for me, it tied together the jigsaw puzzle of my life. Yeah, it brought it all together. I just wanted to ask, so you mentioned that you live with a lot of 
FASD symptoms. I was wondering, can you tell us what they are and give us some examples about how they impact your life? I lived with FASD, but I also lived with a lot of trauma. So FASD has impacted my world in the fact that when I was at school, teachers, like I'm 60, so teachers back when I was at school, Kurt, were less aware of some of the issues that children have. I'm not sure if it's less aware or it's just we weren't in a time where that was properly understood. Children that come from homes where they have families and, I mean, what is normal, Kurt? We really don't know. But in the normal household, you have mother and father and children, siblings, and you don't have any of the issues with FASD. So you have a fairly stable upbringing. But for me, that was totally the opposite. So the FASD combined with a lot of other issues really presented themselves. And the teachers back then were more focused on teaching than they were on children with any kind of disability, children with any kind of home life problems or issues. They were just there to teach and that's basically all they did. So any children, including myself, that had any issues, we often got put aside, left in the too hard basket, I guess. In my school life, I was kept down twice. So there was over the period of my primary school years, I was kept down twice. There was two years there. At school, I never really fitted in anywhere, fitted in the, the box of what is normal. And I think the FSD was a part of that then um, because doctors referred to it when I was a baby that um, I had a lot of problems mentally, and but they didn't know what it was back then, mate. Mm. So we know what it is now. <laughs> mm, thankfully, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So can you give us like a little example about how how FASD symptoms affect your life that you're aware of? Yeah, definitely. I have a hearing impediment. Now, I'm sure some of our viewers have got it too because a lot of FASD clients have hearing problems. But I didn't discover I had a hearing problem till, gosh, uh, nine or ten years ago. Mm. So I went right through school with a hearing impediment. And usually when people have their back to me, I can't hear them. So that would have been the same at school. Hearing is one of them. Also, the other one would be memory, Kurt. Memory recall is a big one. Someone will tell me something the same day I'm having a conversation with someone and five minutes later I'll come back to them and say, I either didn't hear you or I didn't. What did you mean? I didn't. It just processing is another one. I either haven't heard it or I it just hasn't acknowledged in my brain. Mm. I have a lot of difficulties with that. I also had a lot of issues with recall, as I said, mainly from some of the events that are longer in time I can recall. But things that happen, say, on the same day, in one ear and out the other, gone, just, you know. And so I have to ask, even you, Kurt, now what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) So it's, yeah, look, I've learned to, I think through the years, and I think this is a blessing for me, I mean, in a way, through the years I've had to deal with it and I've found ways to deal with it. 
I found different ways around situations. I think my school years, I bluffed my way around everything, even not really knowingly, but I got through things by just saying, oh, yes, I've heard that, but actually I haven't. That's why I couldn't put it on paper because I actually didn't hear it or actually my brain didn't take it in. So, yeah, that would be one. It sounds like you've got a lot of challenges right there. I Look, I had a lot of challenges. I do have a lot of challenges still now. I think I had more challenges when I was younger, but they were helped by my family. But when I lost my family, my my challenges got instrumental, bigger. Grew bigger. It got huge, really big, Mm. because there was no one I could. There was no go-to person, Kurt. Yeah. And everyone that's listening will understand, you know, without family around and without close friends or even, you know, I had a few close friends, but they didn't understand how I really operated. But with no one that I could share stuff with or even when you can talk to someone else and Mm. kind of get a bit of feedback. Yeah. That was very difficult for me. So how I learned through my life was to watch people obviously read their lips or if I was too far away. But I did a lot of watching without a lot of talking. Mm. So I learned how things operated, how to navigate certain parts of the world, my life. But it didn't always work, Kurt. We had a lot of ignorance in our communities and that set me back too. So, you know, yeah, I navigated a world I really didn't understand that's why, you know, I I don't know if I've told you this, Kurt, but I've actually given myself a signature name, which I actually, I like. It's called Jigsaw. Oh. Now, Jigsaw is Jigsaw Puzzle. When you talk about Jigsaw Puzzle, it's about putting all the pieces mm. together. And my life now at 60 has really come together mm. as far as, I've got pieces from here. I've got pieces from medical stuff. I've got pieces from adoption records. But what it's doing, it's completing a story of who I am and who I was back then. And for me, I like it because it's who I am, but also to be able to put pieces together in our world, no matter what, what background we come from or whatever walk of life we've been in, is really handy for everyone to know I am real and that we we all have issues. As I say, what is normal? We don't know what is normal. Mm. So I look at life a little bit like a jigsaw puzzle, but also my life is complete now because I'm understanding what's going on a lot more. Well, now that you have a FASD diagnosis, you, you have supports in place to help you. And yep. I was just wondering, has that changed your life for the better? Yes, it has, Kurt. Oh, I like a lot of people are now on the NDIS. We love the NDIS. There's parts of the NDIS we don't love, obviously. It gets complicated. It, it took me two years to actually get on the NDIS. But for me, it's I have complexed disability, even though I've got FASD, there's other complex issues within me that make it a bit harder. But I have supports in place where I have workers that come in two or uh, three or four times a week 
I have workers that take me to church. Oh. Yeah, that's different. <laughs> that's nice, nice. No, it's beautiful. It's, it's part of my thing I love to do. Mm. I'm a Christian and I believe that God has always been a part of my world right from the day I got born. So there is a fairly deep faith there that has also helped me navigate my life. But I have workers that come in and I have a diary on my kitchen bench which they write stuff in or I write stuff in and then they add to it. So they come in, you know, in morning and we might go shopping one day. We might go and buy some clothes. Just do normal things that normal people do. I'm normal. Mm. <laughs> it's all the other people that are not normal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I think, really. Yeah. <laughs> you and I share a bit of, I don't know if you call it an idiosyncrasy, about humour. I'm a person with FASD, but... I'm pretty good with the humour side of it. No, I never was, but that's become a part of my world now, so I'm as funny as you are there. Oh, I think you're even funnier than me. I, th- I think you haven't said my dad jokes yet. Oh, oh I'm waiting for it. <laughs> Getting back to um, what you were just saying, so my support workers, I treat them like a part of me, mm. you know. To me, they're not my workers as such. They're my friends, so... When they come to work for me, you know, they love coming because they say it's so much fun with you. You just do some really outlandish stuff. And I love that about what they've given me feedback. They will take me to the shops. I was driving. I'm not driving anymore because I moved to Melbourne and I find the traffic there is a little bit overwhelming for my brain to keep up with. It's just overwhelming in general for Melbourne, really. It's pretty bad. (laughs) It is. Look, so they do everything from take me shopping to buying. I bought a new freezer the other day. I have a lot of fun in my life now where before my life didn't have a lot going on and mainly because... There was a lot of bad stuff that happened that I needed to deal with and get over it. I see a counsellor quite regularly and I'm happy with the way my life is going. I've got a big question here. It's a, oh, it's of course a, you have. It's a huge one. Um, <laughs> for many parents, receiving a diagnosis for a child's FASD disability can be quite a confronting time. Yeah. What would you say to a parent in this position who is worried about their child's future and their ability to have a rewarding life? For parents who've got children with FASD, I think I'm sort of coming from my point of view here, but I think my FASD was overlooked a lot when I was young because it wasn't really out there when I was younger. It's out there now in the community, and I think the parents themselves need to be educated on the fact that FASD is real. It's not something that someone has made up. It is brain damage, yet there's different levels of brain damage. Mine is more executive function and some other things, but for parents that have got children who are even suspected of having FASD, go and get it diagnosed. I found my diagnosis was well worth the money, but for parents who are humming and hiring, every child's an individual and needs to have that to get a diagnosis. But I don't believe that one size fits all. I think they need to be educated on what FASD is 
if they're going to interact with their child at a positive level mm. and not a negative level. And mine came from fairly negative level. And as we know, FASD is not always a visible disability. And some people don't have the facial features. That doesn't mean they don't have issues. I think love and support are a huge thing in FASD. We all do it in our families. We love to support. I have a, a 29, 30-year-old daughter, and I still support her. I still talk to her about issues that she has, and I try to still educate her, and I don't think there's ever a time when you should stop that. I think love and support your child. I think protecting is an okay thing. If you need to protect them, do that. Because a parent always know what's right for their child. I can't tell them what's right for their child because, yeah, I'm not the mother. Even though your child is diagnosed with FASD, doesn't mean they can't live a full and productive and happy life. As human beings, we tend to put a lot of negatives in front of people with disabilities. Mm. We put them out there and, uh, you know, the people with disabilities or, you know, people with FASD, we have to jump through so many hoops. Yeah. But I think that's a part of us that needs, you know, we need to stop making people jump through so many hoops. Mm. We need to be more positive with people with FASD. And it's all about uplifting the person. It's the wholeness aspect of someone's life. I've learned over a lifetime not to be judgmental. I don't believe that we have a right to be judging how other people raise their children or judging because that person looks totally different. Who am I to judge these people? That also possibly comes from, from a Christian aspect as well. I'd rather leave it to God to judge people. There has been a fair bit of criticism on and off about people who don't understand FASD, who are very apt in throwing their opinion out there, but actually it's not serving a purpose, actually bringing them down. And I see that a little bit on the Facebook pages where people have been hurt by people who don't believe they've got FASD, even though they've had a diagnosis. I believe that kind of stuff needs to stop. That's just my belief, but... We've done it for centuries, Kurt. You know, it, it needs to, you know, so at some point stop. So here's the big question, the question I ask all, all my podcasts. Yes, you may have heard this question a, a couple of times if you've listened. Okay. Uh, do you think there is more our listeners could be doing as individuals or we could be doing as a whole society to support people with FASD? Is there more we could be doing? Well, I think FASD um, has done a lot of promotional work I mean, look what you're doing, Kurt. You're just, you're out there doing podcasts, medical professionals, but also with lived people. <laughs> people with lived experience? Yeah, lived ex- Yeah, that one. <laughs> By FASD, you meant No FASD Australia, you, you were referring yeah. to earlier. Yep. So, No FASD Australia has been, for me, it's been a, a godsend. After I got diagnosed, I actually got onto the helpline because I thought, help <laughs> and I spoke to a few people on there I've spoken to Robin and mm. two others but what I found is they were so helpful in some of the questions I had also 
I'm going to chuck this one in as well, and you'll like this. I also wanted to compliment Fair Australia, which is I haven't got it in front of me. The Foundation of Alcohol Research and Education, I believe. Mate, you are so good. Thank (laughs) you. And the stuff that they've been putting out on the TV and broadcasting and stuff, when I first saw that, I looked at it and I thought, wow. And it, it really, I sat back in my couch and thought, wow, it's about time this got out. So to them, my hat is off to them. They're doing really well. And, you know, I guess this is about not just you, Kurt, not just Fair Australia, not just FASD, but as individuals who have FASD or have family with FASD can do our part by sharing our stories. You know, I'm hoping that this one will help someone else down the line. It's called paying it forward. And we never had that when I was young. So I'm embracing everything that is coming at me, and believe me, it is coming at me. (laughs) But I'm coping. And, look, don't drink alcohol when you're pregnant because, look, it does have an effect on the unborn child. And we don't know that until we get older. We get older. Like, I didn't know that when I was a kid. I didn't know that I was 10 years behind everyone else. (laughs) I'm glad that I had the diagnosis. I'm glad in a way that I have support now. ASD is my support. And, look, we all have families where some know about it, some don't. You know, I'm going to hopefully get my family to understand FASD a lot more than they do because it will enhance their knowledge, but it will also help me so I can interact with my family as well. Uh, have I answered your question? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Individuals with FASD to do more, yeah. share their story, and also, you know, yeah. don't drink alcohol. That's a very strong message and a message I definitely promote on this podcast. Oh, mate, that's why I said it, because I knew, I knew, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I just want to thank you. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for agreeing to sit down with me. I know this has been a long time coming, and... We've been trying to get this meeting, this epic meeting between the both of us up and running, but I'm glad we had a chance to sit down and chat. Yeah, well worth it, definitely. It was well worth it. Thank you. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality. If you like this podcast episode, then please show your support by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Every little bit helps. This project is funded by the National Disability Insurance Scheme, NDIS, in collaboration with NoFASD Australia. All rights reserved. For more information about FASD, then please go to www.nofasd.org.au.